1: what's good my friends this is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere it's offsides, mark ryan and diesel and we are the fan upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m today thank you for making us part of your afternoon which you guys do each and every day we've got lawton swan joining us at five twenty on clemson we've got truth serum coming your way at 5 40 p.m this afternoon And we've got you rocking and rolling. Big congratulations to Ashton from Spartanburg. we got some folks complaining about the difficulty of the question. Where were you calling in? Shadow of Death Valley says, bro, come on, this is painfully easy. The answer is seven. Yeah, like the $100 gift card could have been yours. But uh, you guys just judge the questions without calling in yourself. I'm going to let you in on a little inside secret here. We want to
2: give the prize away. That's the point. The point is to give the prize away. If you make the questions too hard, nobody can get them right, which is kind of what I did when when I filled in two weeks ago. When I hosted the show, I made the questions too hard, and we were going going through caller after caller after caller, caller, and nobody knew the answer. So we want to give the prize away.
1: Most certainly the case. All right, guys. Also, uh, it is my one-year marriage anniversary today. How about that? I convinced somebody to marry me. She is amazing. And for some reason, maybe because I'm just lucky as can be, she's still with me a year later. I don't know how I pulled that off. It's incredible. Um, No, seriously, all kidding aside, guys, I am the luckiest dude in the world. Angela, Angela, I love you to death, sweetheart. Um, And uh, best decision I made uh, was coming. Swiping right? Yes, swiping right. But also, Diesel, coming to the Carolinas, first to meet her and second for this job you know those are the two best things in that order that have happened to me since uh, coming to uh, south carolina let me tell let me ask you guys this question what are your keys to a long and healthy marriage if you were to give me some good tried and true marital advice what would you tell me let let me know on the madworldattractions.com text line that's 71307 is the number to text to. Just start your text with the word fan, and away you go on the show. What is your best marital advice for me? I'm 46 years old. I've been married exactly one year. We're one down. We're 49 to go to get to 50, baby. That's right. That's right. So happy anniversary to my beautiful wife. And uh, thank you guys for the very, very, very nice words about that. All right. You guys ready to rock it out? We call this segment the Top Five at Five. The top five biggest sports stories of the day. The top five topics we are discussing, ladies and gentlemen of the Upstate Offsiders. The Top Five at Five starts right now.
0: And now the
1: Top Five at Five. And five, four, three, two, one. Hit it. Five. So, the beef between Orlando Arcea and Bryce Harper, if you don't know what it is, here's what happened. When the Braves won game two against the Phillies, Orlando Arcea was heard in the Braves locker room saying, a boy, Harper, because Bryce Harper was doubled up at first base to end game two. You might remember Castellanos, long drive to the wall. Michael Harris Jr. makes a great catch. Bryce Harper's doubled up. And so there's a big debate today about, like, what proper media etiquette is, right? Like, if a player says something in the locker room and it isn't said to you, are you allowed to come out with it? I think you guys know me well enough by now, right? I don't follow these stinking rules. If I hear it in the locker room, I'm going to share that I heard it. You know, your policy of what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room, doesn't apply to me. And if you're going to apply it to me, don't don't allow me in the locker room. That's, that's all I have to say about that. So to the reporter who came out with, yeah, Orlando Arcia was saying, a boy Harper, I don't blame him at all. I would have done the exact same thing. How do you guys feel about that? You know, because Harper then hit two home runs last night. This poor reporter is getting blamed now for the Braves getting their asses handed to them, 10-2 to 2 last night, and being on the brink of elimination today. And I think it's a bunch of bunk. That's called looking for a scapegoat. That's called
2: your team wasn't ready. The other team was so much better than you last night. And you're looking for anything to blame. That's what it is. So what do you where do you guys come out of? You realize like four, what was four, five, six homers were hit by Philadelphia in that game? Six. Six. Six home runs. Do you really think, haha, Attaboy Harper juiced the entire team up so much? that they are now just infinitely better at seeing the ball, putting the bat on the ball, lifting it just far enough to get over the wall. Do you really think Attaboy Harper did all of that? No. It's because the team was just better than you last night, and blowouts happen in baseball. It just happens.
1: You guys might remember I had a conversation with Clemson Athletic Director Graham Neff on the sideline of the um, orange and white game, the spring game for Clemson, and he told me, he said, Mark, if we don't take the next step, we'll make a change at Head Men's Basketball Coach. And I came out with that. And when I did, a lot of you guys said, that doesn't sound like a conversation you were supposed to share, Mark. Well, well, we had the conversation, so I am sharing it, okay? He told me I could share it, (laughs) and I didn't have to get permission, you know? But I did, and he said, share it. So I I don't follow these rules, you know? Like, if, if you say something in a locker room setting and I hear you, I'm going to share what I've heard. How do you guys come out on that? Is the reporter responsible for firing Bryce Harper up? Next up, four. At number four, potential trades involving the Carolina Panthers are surfacing. Jerry Judy's name has been mentioned on the Denver Broncos, as has Jamison Williams of the Detroit Lions. Williams was the former first-round pick, Bryce Young's favorite target out of Alabama. He's had a torn ACL. He's been suspended for betting. His career has been a mess thus far, between injuries and poor decisions. Jerry, Judy, let's be honest, like these guys have otherworldly ability, but they haven't put it all together yet. The big question to me is what will it cost? I'm more likely to give you players than I am draft picks because Carolina doesn't have any draft capital to give. Right? They need to hoard all the draft capital they can get. Um, I would opt for Jerry Judy first before I'd opt for Jameson Williams, and I think Carolina would be better overnight if they could make that happen. Next up, three at number three, Florida against South Carolina coming your way on Saturday nights, my friends, all time. The Gators are 30, 10 and three against the Gamecocks. My take on this one is the loser is inevitably going to have a down year. Okay. Okay. It's all on the line. Is this the pillow fight of the week in the SEC? Oh, Jason. you're hurting me. You're hurting me now. Man. This cut's deep. Right? <laughs> this cut's deep, um, guys. It's the reality of this one. Is it's just it's interesting because the loser likely falls off a cliff. Florida has one game remaining all year, where they're the favorites. Okay, South Carolina with a loss stares four straight losses in the face mm-hmm. because they have at Missouri and at Texas A&M. After this, the spread of the game is South Carolina minus two points. Uh, in the offseason, uh, I picked South Carolina to be two and three right now. They are two and three right now. What was my score for this game? Gamecocks 37, Florida 17. I had this being a beatdown. Why? Because South Carolina's playing at home, because the Gamecocks are coming off a bye, and because Florida's a very Jekyll and Hyde team who is. A halfway decent team on the uh, at home and god-awful on the road. And so I put all those together. I lean South Carolina in this game. Um, I just want you guys to realize how important this game is. You know, the winner might end up being the second-place team in the SEC East. The loser might end up being sixth, right? All is on the line in this particular game. Uh, what is your score? By the way, do you have a score? Do you have a hunch? Do you have a lean? Do you have a feel for Florida against South Carolina? Shane Beamer said uh, earlier this week that uh, they're not where they want to be at two and three, but he feels great overall about the direction of the program. Next up, two. We will be carrying Miami versus North Carolina right here on the fan upstate on Saturday night, beginning at 7 p.m. I'll be hosting on CBS Sports Radio from 5 to 10 p.m., so you can hear me on the fan upstate from 5 to 7 before we make way for our Miami-North Carolina coverage. And I was asked today, Mark, what do you think about Miami-North Carolina? I think North Carolina big is what I think. Number one, it's in Chapel Hill. Number two, I worry that uh, Miami, from a mentality standpoint, is about to lose to Georgia Tech twice Okay, number three, Drake May is really clicking right now. You know, like North Carolina wasn't a great team when the year began, but I feel like they're becoming a great team before our eyes. You know, we thought that 30 to 14 Clemson beatdown of Syracuse was was high quality. Then North Carolina hangs 40 to 7 on them, right? North Carolina just might be the best team in the ACC. ESPN's Football Power Index says Florida State is the 10th best team in the country. They say North Carolina is the 16th best team in the country. Clemson is 18th and Miami is 19th. But what say you about that? Miami, North Carolina. I think North Carolina comfortably by double digits. And finally, one, you know, folks, it wasn't supposed to be this way. You know, I do believe to some degree Leagues have a responsibility to have a postseason system that gives the best team a chance to win. Do you want your sport to crown the best team? Well, science will tell you that the larger the sample size, the more accurate the result. So I ask you guys, who's a better team, the Dodgers or the Diamondbacks? You might tell me the Diamondbacks, they just won the series. And I would say they were the best team in three games. Who was the best team in 162? Oh, that's right. The Dodgers were by 16 games. Who's the better team Braves and Phillies in this series? It might be the Phillies, but in the regular season, it was the Braves by 14 games. What is going on here? Well, the teams that got the bots, the four best teams in the major leagues are four and nine. Their rust is counting for more than the rest that they got. They lost their sharpness. It has become a buy of hell, you know, for these teams. It has become a disadvantage, not an advantage. And if you're baseball, how do you solve this? Well, Mark, it also sounds a little bit like you're trying
2: to stack the deck. And if that's the case, then why don't we just, why don't we just reduce it to four teams make the playoff? You know, the the four best, uh, the four best records in baseball. Why don't we do it that way? Used to be that way. Well, yeah, that's fine. But we're not, we're not going to be able to go back to that. Look, I mean, yeah, there, there is, I'm sure, some element of rest is bad for you in a game like baseball. But I would argue, are you really the better team if you don't win the series? Are you really the better team if you lose, uh, if you get upset by a group of five or an FCS team? Were you really a better team? You know, you hear all the time, football players like, "Yeah, we didn't take them seriously. We got high the night before. We partied the night before." Well, that means you're not a good football team because you're not disciplined. You might have more talent, but it, it takes more than just talent to win the game. It takes talent, it takes discipline, it takes opportunity, and and some small measure, uh, small measure of luck. And so I say, are you really the better team if you lose? No, you're not. Not on that.
1: Not on those nights. You weren't. And I think I think Diesel the um, the problem is that baseball is such a random sport that it lends itself to this, right? In football, I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to use that excuse. But in baseball, a sport where the worst team wins 40 percent of the time, the best team wins 60 percent of the time, it does. There's a level of randomization there where if you're not sharp, you don't really have a shot. You know, and so I don't know. I mean, I look at this and you tell me the four best teams in baseball are four and nine. I'm saying, well, it would be one thing if, if the deck was stacked equally for every team. But the rest is obviously hurting these teams at this point. So what do you do about it? What do you do about it? And those are today's top five at five. Now, it's your chance to chime in, which you can do. At 844-FAN-PHONE, that's 844-F-A-N-F-O-N-E. That's 844-326-3663. The MadWorldAttractions.com text line is there for you at 71307. Just start your text with the word FAN and away you go. You can get to us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. We'd love to have you. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube. And finally, email. You guys can all email the show. Mark Ryan, that is M-A-R-C-Ryan, at thefanupstate.com. All the different ways you can get in touch with us here on the most interactive sports radio show anywhere. Uh, Texter says the Phillies have one of the dumbest names in the major leagues. Agree with that. Thomas Hell says upset pick Wyoming over Air Force. Trey says I'm very thankful that last week's question was easy. If you asked me a Clemson question, I might have gotten it wrong. Best marital advice for a long-loving marriage with incredible spiritual connection? Butt stuff. <laughs> Wait, is this a guy or is this a lady texting in? No idea. Two words. Butt stuff. If you're going to have a fight, fight nude. It won't last long. Married 24 years. Sport doc. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mongo says South Carolina 28, Florida 17. Uh, texter says add or remove a team. To get rid of the wild cards. That requires more explanation, Texter. Please give us more explanation. Add or remove a team to get rid of wild cards. I may be biased because the O's and Braves are my two favorite teams. Um. Okay. Add or remove a team. Diesel, when you say stack the deck, what does that mean? You're stacking the deck. Uh, You're, you're trying to manipulate the results because
2: you're, you're trying to manipulate the final outcome because you don't like the results. I'm good with the results. I don't have a team. I'm just looking at the data. No, 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 no. You just spent the entirety of, I think, number two on the top five at five saying, I don't like how these playoffs have gone. The best teams are getting eliminated. So we need to change something so that these best teams are not being eliminated. That is called stacking the deck. That is trying to achieve an outcome by changing the rules. That is stacking the deck. Well, Diesel, they're changing the rules left and right Surrounding us, anyway. yeah, but everybody's playing. Everybody's playing with these rules. Okay, it, it's not like it, it's not like they didn't know. But the worst A- teams, and, and, the worst
1: teams are playing with no rest, and the best right, teams are playing with significant rest.
2: Right, but the Atlanta Braves, as the texters told us yesterday, they put together the best lineup they could play against, and they played baseball in the days leading up to. And, and you can say, well, it's not meaningful baseball. What well, you can't quantify meaningful practice versus non-meaningful practice. I'm just saying, it's like everybody already knows the rules before the game starts. Okay, it's not like they're surprising people at the last minute and saying, "Oh, we're changing things on you." Everybody knows the rules, so you you can't you can't change the rules because you don't like the outcome.
1: Yeah, well, I'm here to tell you, see, see, I don't have a team in, the, I don't have a dog in the fight. Um, but I'm I'm seeing a lot of fans upset about you know the better teams just getting the floors wiped with them when that didn't happen during the season. So, you know, is it a problem? Do are you decide with diesel? And you say, no, there's no problem here. Uh, or do you say, well, yeah, there's data here that's showing that the rest, what should be a reward for the best team is not actually playing out that way. Uh, Mike Kendrick tweets in. He says, we've heard about time off locker room, sanctuary, loud noises from fans. How about stop the wanting and show up? This happens in every other sport." October is the time to be playing your best ball. Seems too much to, be, to ask of certain teams. Cry me a river. <laughs> Cry me a river. If you were really the better team, you would have won the game. Texter says Braves going to Braves, and everybody knows that. We've got Lawton Swan joining us next right here on Offsides. We are the Fan of State. I have never seen more infighting going on among Clemson fans than what I'm seeing right now. And they're fighting amongst themselves, which is really, really interesting. You know, you got the Clemson faction that is, we're always going to support our team and our coaching staff, win, lose, or draw. And then you got the other half saying, well, we're falling off. We need to do things differently. And, you know, like – the fan base is going back and forth between All-In being a family moniker versus, man, we've, like, we've got to change what we're doing here. You know, what we're doing is not good enough. And should you support your team or should you be critical of your team? i got to tell you, um, I'd be humiliated if I was a Clemson fan and I saw all those folks leave at the end of the third quarter the other night in a one-score game. I'm sitting up there with Angela, and I'm saying, I can't believe this. I like it. one score game, it's ten to six. Are these people disgusted or in a non-college football playoff year? Is that their entire commitment? Just three quarters. You're going to get three quarters from me, no matter what. It was like they had predetermined they were leaving at the third quarter, no matter what the score of the game was. Joining us right now is Lawton Swan uh, here on the show, and uh, and Lawton, it is a it's a tenuous place to be right now for Clemson and Clemson fans. After a disappointing first half of the season, your thoughts on this first half?
0: Yeah, I think you know when you when you look at the the totality of it all, Mark. It really comes down to what I think was they were, I think, ill prepared for that opening matchup against the Duke Blue. That was I don't think they thought Duke was as good as we have now since found out Duke is, and I think that's always one of the Sort of, you know, when you're in this business, you and I, you, it, it's sort of a sidebar that you always have about a team like Duke because nobody, no matter how much success they've had maybe the previous season, uh, it's always taken with a grain of salt. And so, from that standpoint, I think that Clemson kind of got caught in a game where, as it kind of went along, I've equated it to Church League basketball because in Church League basketball, if we can be fair, there's always like a dominant team or two and then there's just some other teams that are going to be obliterated. But every once in a while, that dominant team or two comes out and thinks, oh, we'll just turn it on whenever. And I think Clemson found themselves in a game where they kind of, you know, had a little laissez-faire attitude and never could turn it on and started shooting themselves in the foot, 28-7 is the final. I think if you took that game out, reversed it, and Clemson's sitting there 5-1 at five one right now, I think you're, you're kind of like, okay, this is one of my potential expectations for the year. But with that one being what it was, Mark, I do think it's put quite a damper on the Tigers' season. I'll be interested to know next year if this were – you know, if if you had this exact schedule and it's 2024 with an expanded college football playoff, what does that feel like for fans? Because that's been my argument all along about a bigger playoff is there's more room for mistakes and and then you're still in the mix. And and I think you're right in some respects. There are fans that feel like, well – we're not in the college football playoff. We don't really have a shot at that anymore. So, you know, maybe they're going to you know, leave a little early or whatever. My personal thing was, like I said to Diesel on social media, when he tweeted at me about it, I, the, the photo was taken that I saw, you know, with a minute and change left when Clemson had scored and Duke, uh, excuse me, and, and Wake Forest was driving. But you were there sitting on the other side in the way in the nose, please, man. That is some rough territory, brother. Uh, so you have be- a better indication of what it looked like across the way that I do.
2: Lawton, I'm going to ask you what is a facetious and sort of obtuse-sounding question, and it's just it's purely to be argumentative here. Uh, we've had a lot of Clemson fans respond to to our criticisms and say, oh, no, 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 no. The, the two-thirds of the stands that were empty, they were all just waiting in the wings to gather at the paw. Now, uh, you tell me if I'm wrong here, because I've been in that stadium many, many times, and we did the math here. Two thirds of the capacity of Clemson Stadium is somewhere in the range of fifty thousand people. Do you believe that the portals and the uh, and the hallways outside of the uh, of the stadium can hold fifty thousand people waiting to get down onto the field? Ooh, man. I, I, dude, you have asked me
0: a question I cannot answer. I honestly, I honestly don't know. But you know what? If I, and people are really not going to like this next take, but you know what? I think one of the bigger problems Clemson's had for years, they still have, and I know fans love it, and I know it went away after 9 11 for a little while, but the pass out policy where you can go out after the half and people go to their tailgates, they partake in a beverage of choice. And then return to the game. But a lot of times, even in big games, like big matchups, you know, Clemson, Florida State a couple of weeks ago, there are a lot of empty seats for the first six, seven, eight minutes of the third quarter. Now, look, I, I am not going to be the proponent to say you got to get rid of that. But I think the reality is there are games in Clemson's history where those eight minutes or so, when the, the fans aren't in there for that third quarter, man, that is a clutch time in a ball game. Uh, it's a great benefit to be able to go in and out. I understand that, but I think that's more significant than, you know, the debate about whether or not fans left early during the Wake Forest game.
1: Lawton Swan joining us here on Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the fan upstate. Lawton, what are the scenarios in your mind for Clemson possibly getting back into the mix in the ACC this year? You know, every time I look at the forecasts and the prognostications, They're they're not out of it yet. And, you know, the the most, the hardest thing for them to do is going to be running the table and handling their own business. But if they do, right, if they do that, you look at a lot of these projections could come down to a tiebreaker between Louisville and Clemson. Um, Are you looking at you like, are you looking at this season as the ACC's lost
0: Funny you should ask that question, Mark, because I happen to have my helmet schedule right here in front of me. There you go. (laughs) So I looked at it the other day. So I said, okay, if we're going to assume that Florida State wins out and if we want to assume that Clemson wins out, what are the other scenarios that kind of come into play? And I think if you just take the games that Clemson and Florida State play out, I think there are six key games, two of them this weekend. Uh, I think you need Duke to lose to NC State, and I think you need Miami, obviously, to – excuse me, North Carolina to lose to Miami. Uh, Then you've got Duke and Florida State next week, because Duke's got to lose three. Um, And I know there's some two-way scenarios where Duke and Clemson could be tied and something could come out for the Tigers' favor, I guess, but uh, they would lose at Florida State and at North Carolina. So Duke would get their three losses. I think those are three key ones. Uh, Louisville needs to lose to Duke. And uh, at Miami and then North Carolina needs to lose again against Miami and then to Clemson. And I think, you know, anybody you beat heads up, you kind of put in your rear view. So the majority of teams, I think if you assume Clemson wins out, are going to end up in their rear view, but those are the one, two, three, four, five, six games. uh, And, and four of them happen over the next three weeks. Uh, If those don't go your way, I think it gets really hard, but yeah, I I think there's still an outside chance that, Bigger issue for Clemson, honestly, with the way they played last weekend against Wake Forest is we have to assume that Clemson wins out. And I don't know that that's the safer side uh, of the argument at this point.
2: Lawton, I asked this question of Don Munson last week, and there are some deep-seated implications in the question. So I'll ask you the same one and see if your answers differ. How long will Garrett Riley stay at Clemson?
0: I mean, I think it's probably – well, okay, so depending on what jobs come open, but I think it's probably a three- to four-year deal given his age. I think the bigger thing about Garrett Riley in his age at this point for Clemson, and this is you know kind of pie-in-the-sky, long projection, assuming that he has a career that's somewhat similar to his brother. He's young enough, Diesel, where he can go off, coach somewhere else for six, seven years. And he would still be in his mid-40s. That would be probably, you know, if you assume 10 years down the line, 10 to 15 years, Dabo Sweeney would want to hang it up. And that would make a good connection, I think, for Clemson to maybe look at him as maybe the next guy because he would still be very young. That's the, that's the thing about it. But, I, you know, I would think at least three or four years would be at the minimum at this point unless there's just a huge Power 5 job it comes calling, but the way the offense has played this year, I would say his stock is not up by comparison to where it was a year ago when Dabo Sweeney hired him.
1: Lawton, when Don Munson joined us the other day, he was uh, he was full of fire and brimstone on the Cade Klubnick <laughs> topic. I mean, he was. It was wildly entertaining, uh, and I, I love how passionate he is about it. Uh, I don't agree with him. Um, but his take was: Look, are the expectations on Cade Dabo's fault? Are they Cade's fault? Um, because what's going on right now is the the fans' stupid expectations. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he used the word the phrase "stupid expectations." Well, you know, Lawton, you go back and you read the commentary, and Dabo was effusive in his praise, right? And and now you've got you've got fans that went from. Taj to Desaun to Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant mixed in there. And Cade looks a lot more like DJ thus far than he looks like those other two. So the truth, they always say Lawton is somewhere in the middle. But but where are we with Cade? I mean, he's been mildly disappointing, has he not?
0: I think the biggest issue is something I asked Debo Sweeney about this week on his Sunday teleconference is I don't believe they utilize Cade Klubnik. Uh, in, in designed run plays as often as they need to. And I think if you go back and you look at the names you just mentioned, from Deshaun Watson to Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence, uh, there were a lot of designed run plays. Uh, just, just go back to Clemson versus Ohio State uh, when they're down 16 to nothing and, and come back and you have Trevor Lawrence with that huge run. That was a designed run play. Again, I don't, know every, I don't know every single call, and that was when he did say that. He said there's a lot of options on plays that people don't know about, et cetera. And he's right. I mean, I don't know everything that's going on, but that looked like a designed run that I saw there. There were a lot of designed run plays off tackle for Deshaun Watson where he might follow Wayne Gallman off the edge that gives you that extra hat in the box. Where I think they don't feel comfortable with Kate Clevenick at this point, doing that is because of the backup quarterback situation. They don't want to get into a, a deal where Cade gets banged up and you have to go with Hunter Helms full-time for a while. I don't think that's the scenario that they want to do. And then, obviously, they don't want to pull the red shirt off of Christopher Vezina. They want to play him as little as possible, I think, this season. So they're kind of forced into trying to maybe protect Cade Clubnik a little bit. But my argument was, dude, I watched that Arizona Southern Cal game the other night.
2: Yeah.
0: There's the reigning defending Heisman Trophy winner out there on designed run calls, running up the field and Caleb Williams. And I was like, look, man, if if Southern Cal is willing to put that guy on the line, I think Clemson's got to be willing to do the same with Cade Klobnik. You see how fast he is. You see how elusive he can be. And I think if you get that extra hat in the box and make him a runner at times, it's just going to keep teams more honest. And right now, the RPO game is certainly a part of Clemson's success, but I think designed quarterback runs are missing from this offense. Uh, and Dabba said, hey, he scored on one this past weekend. I agree, but I'd like to see a little bit more of it because I think that just makes this, deep, this uh, Clemson offense more difficult to defend.
1: One counterpoint, Lawton, and then the final question for you. Um, I-, I thought the worst call all year was the quarterback draw call for Cade on 3rd and 11 against Florida State. And I asked Dabo about that. I, I said, why are you playing for the field goal? He said, we weren't playing for the field goal. We thought that was going to pop. I, I'm sure you'd agree that there's a time and a place for everything, and 3rd and 11 on the final drive <laughs> against against Florida State is not the time for that play call. So I'll I'll, I'll segue into my final question for you. You know, it's, it's the family feel at Clemson is so strong, Lawton, that uh, when fans are critical, they don't say names. But I'm seeing things like the running back room is not explosive. The running back room needs speed. Well, if they felt Will Shipley possessed that, you wouldn't be seeing that. So why not just use the name? Why, why pussyfoot around the, the, the situation at, at hand here? Um, is, is what's going on with Will Shipley just he was too hyped? Or is he not being utilized the right way?
0: I think that is a, a, a tough thing to digest. I thought the expectations surrounding him, and people have asked me this in the past. I may have even addressed it here. I, I thought the comparisons that were often made between he and I, I said this was coming out, man, and, and Christian McCaffrey were completely unfair. And I, I think it only happened because he's a, a white running back in an era where that's not the norm. And because you begin to pick up those comparisons, well, then people think, well, that's naturally what you're going to be. And certainly he had the five-star billing and and all of those things. But, yes, I think his career has underwhelmed at this point at Clemson. Um, He hasn't had big breakaway plays like you expected. When he has, sometimes, you know, even early on in his career, he's been run down. I don't think you can take anything away from his his heart and his effort, though, right? I mean, there's some runs that he's had in his career Mark, where you just look at and say, dude, that was 100% Will Shifley. There wasn't a lot, you know, blocking and helping him out. But yeah, I I think, you know, it's, it's weird because if you look at yards per carry and how good Phil Maffa does, um, you could make the argument. I kind of made the argument before the season that I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Maffa became the starter and, and he, he puts up starter like stats. He just didn't get starter like carries, but you know, I, I think that at this point, you know, with the way things are shaping up for this team, you just continue to utilize both of those guys. I would like to see them go to Moss a little bit more. Uh, but I am excited about Jay Haynes, man. I'll tell you what, I think he was underrated. Uh, we talked to his coach when he committed to Clemson, and uh, he could only talk about how great Jay was and the fact that the guys that were playing before him both are playing collegiately, and it's the reason that he didn't have stats when he was like a, a freshman and, and sophomore in high school because he was behind two dudes that were going to college. And, boy, if anybody kind of remembers Mike Bellamy when he was at Clemson uh, for a short stint there, the former five-star running back, that's the feel I got watching Jay Haynes run the ball. There's a It's a different kind of uh, style, if you will, uh, and I like it. So I think the future's still very much bright at Clemson on the – doing in the running back room. But, yeah, the great debate about, you know, the, the numbers that Phil Moffa puts up versus Will Shipley uh, probably is not going to bed anytime soon because every Saturday you kind of see the numbers that that Shipley puts up by comparison to Moffa and the way Maffa looks in the open field. Man, it's, it's tough to deny when you see it on TV.
1: Great catching up with you, Lawton. Thanks so much, pal. Be good, brother. All right, take care. Lawton Swan of ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Joining us here on the show and Offsides, we'll continue and be right back with you right after this. It's Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the Fan Upstate. If you see the wifey and I out, out and about tonight, celebrating uh, one year of marriage, it's our anniversary. It's your anniversary. Uh, Say hi. Say hi. We'll where be are you out. going to dinner? We'll be out and out. To, where are we going to dinner? Are you, gonna, are you willing to, to divulge that information? I am. I don't want to be judged by it because it's is one. Is it Applebee's? It's one, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, one, it's one where you could judge because nine times out of ten, Diesel, we go to the unique local place, and this is not that, okay? But it's one that she's really excited about because she's never been. Melting pot. Okay, we're going. I've never been a melting pot. Yeah, so uh, she's excited about the fondue. You can do chocolate fondue. They got all these kind of bacon, Gruyere, yeah. cheese fondues and everything like that. So uh, that is the uh, that is the place. And then I have something else that I'll tell you off the air in case she's listening. Is it okay? the Better Than Sex Dessert Bar,
2: <laughs>
1: which is fantastic. By How the way. did you know? How did you know? Where is that? Where is
2: uh, it? It's on. Um, it's on. Um, God, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Once you get through there, if you take 385 into downtown, you keep going straight. Okay. Um, it's it's about three blocks ahead, next to a small like local theater. Okay, and it is a it's a great restaurant. It's a great it's a great concept. It's always pitch black dark in there. You can't see anything. Like all the tables are lit by one teeny tiny little candle, and there's uh, provocative artwork on the walls. And all of the menu items have provocative names and descriptions. And this is real. Better than Sex Dessert It's a chain. There's several of them. How about that? Yeah, it's right downtown. Wow.
1: How about that? Free plug for them. You're welcome. Well, also, Diesel, happy anniversary in advance to you and Ashley. Thank Uh, you. Yours is coming up when?
2: I didn't realize that you snaked us and you got married two days before we did. Um, (laughs) So we, we go away on vacation to get married, and Mark Ryan's like, hey hey, we need to go get married quickly so we can beat them.
1: Well, we, we all remember how the Greek Town Tavern thing worked, Diesel. <laughs> yeah. Diesel goes to Greektown Tavern. He says he announces he's going to go there. He and Ashley walk in, and who's standing in front of him? Me. Yeah. Me. Can't tell you anything. Yeah. Can't tell you anything. Uh, no, we're going
2: to uh, Between the Trees. It's the restaurant at the Grand Bohemian Hotel. Yes. Um, we are taking a bottle of wine that we have, have held on. We, we bought ourselves a nice expensive bottle of wine to have on our wedding night. Uh, but then her parents uh, bought a bottle and had it sent to our hotel room. That was fantastic. So we've been holding on to this bottle for a year. And if you're, if you're not aware of this, in Greenville, you can just pay the corkage fee. And a, a restaurant will open your unopened bottle for you. They're just going to charge you a fee to do it. So well, I, don't know. I don't even know how much it is, the fee. But we're bringing our own very special bottle of wine. It's the place where we got the Bison Carpaccio, which was fantastic. It is raw bison. It's been cured, so it's not cooked, but it's not not raw, and it's the best thing I've ever eaten. It is the absolute best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life, and you know, between the between the trees, just a gorgeous spot. If you've never been on the balcony on the, in and around the Grand Bohemian Hotel, it's fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, the yeah, falls I, are right there.
1: That was where we went, Diesel, for the uh, uh, day we met anniversary. Mm. right so that was one year from the day we met that was yeah. november 20th last year and that's awesome uh raw bison you got a tough sell with me on that you got a re- you got a real tough sell with me on that but not bad texter hey, says the by the way
2: there, it's a really fancy hotel if you get
1: sick you can just sue them <laughs> texter says mark uh fighting more like inbreeding at clemson Ooh. are you guys really gonna let them take that uh, texter, Jarrett Tripp says MLB needs to go back to the one-game wild card. The best teams shouldn't have to wait six days before playing. The wild card teams uh get no time off and stay hot. One hundred percent, Jarrett. Well, that was my point. Uh, texture says the Rays, Blue Jays, Phillies, and Brewers should not have been in the playoffs. Get rid of the wild card series completely. So then you would have three division winners. In each league. So then do you have one team has a bye and two and three play each other in the first round? How does that work? Uh, Mongo says they have that pass-out policy on on Clemson where they give you the card to come back in if you leave so that Clemson men can let their old ladies graze. That comes from Mongo. That comes from Mongo. Uh, Hey, Texter says, Mark, you know what happens on first anniversaries? Babies are made. If you told me, we entered the night as two and we left the night as three? <laughs> That'd be quite interesting. How about new? Quite interesting. <laughs> can you imagine? Can society handle another me? I'm not sure they can. All right, folks, we've got a little ditty we call Truth Serum coming your way in the six o'clock hour next, right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, great to have you with us, and we are the fan upstate.